Welcome back to the Boots on the Ground pod alongside Ben Conroy. I am Essex Thayer. Ben, we did basketball earlier in the week. Now we have football getting ready to go for Wake Forest Notre Dame on Saturday. But first, let's take a look back on what can't be described as anything else other than a a brutal loss. Wake Forest losing to NC State 26-6. The Deeks open with five straight three and outs. Five minutes remained in the first half when Wake Forest secured its first first down. And then the team's first score didn't come until seven minutes were remaining on the clock for good. A really tough effort, Ben. Yeah, you know, I I said on Twitter um, after the game that that was the most demoralizing loss I can remember for the fan base in the last five years. I think more so than Louisville last year, more so than any of the losses when I was in school there, just because... It was senior day, obviously home game, rivalry game, um, meaningful day for the program in a struggling year. I think it would have meant a lot to everyone to go out there and compete. Um, I think it was going to be a tough game to win. I did not pick Wake Forest to win that game um, just with how how well NC State had been playing before. But I think it would have meant a lot to the program to go out there and do some good things. And there are really not many good things to talk about from this game. Mitch Griffiths um, finally gets benched um for good it seems like after a few series of of not so good football michael kern comes in and plays a little bit better but even so there's just nothing doing for the offense until you get the second stringers in later in the game and deuce alexander eventually makes a really nice touchdown catch but uh certainly certainly one to forget for wake forest number that jumps out at me you know this was just something i picked up from the broadcast i think with nearly 20 minutes into the game so five minutes nearly into the second quarter, Wake Forest had nine total yards of offense. Uh, And you mentioned those five straight three and outs. Um, And I'll I'll get into it a little bit later, but just uh, systematic breakdowns all over the board for the Wake Forest offense. Yeah, you mentioned the Wake Forest offense and all of its issues. Final yardage for both teams on the game, NC State 379, Wake 163. The Wolfpack had 266 yards on the ground. Wake Forest, seven. Tough numbers. But as much as what went on on the field was a big struggle for the program, for me and what I wrote about after the game was the the true story of the loss was Wake Forest head coach Dave Clawson. Came into the press conference room where we always conduct our, our post-game interviews and, and a usual stoic Dave Clawson was, I wouldn't say anything but, but he was definitely having a hard time getting through the interview at points. He, you know, opened by apologizing to the fan base, the students, everybody who supports Wake Forest. He said it was an awful performance. They were flat, had no energy. He said, quote, that was not even a competitive football game and basically welcomed booze. He said, if they want to boo me and say whatever they want about me, I'd say they are completely justified right now. Talked about doing some soul searching, looking at the team as a whole, said it was his job to field a more competitive team and that clearly he's failing that this season. And he said, I'm not getting the job done right now. So some really, really tough words for Dave Clawson to finally say after what's been been a, a really rough season for Wake Forest that he, he finally kind of breaks down in a post-game interview. And, and 
acknowledges that this season has not gone the way that anybody wants it to. And certainly not him, certainly not the players, certainly not the fans. It's, it's really gone downhill. Yeah. I mean, we all knew a little bit that this year was going to be a hard one for Wake Forest. Um, You lose, obviously, Sam Hartman, who's been a mainstay in the program and, you know, one of the best players, arguably, in the history of this program after a truly memorable and, you know, fantastic run at Wake Forest being the anchor of not only the offense, but the team as well. Um, And then in addition to that, you know, you lose who's supposed to be your number one weapon on the outside, Donovan Green, to another season ending injury. That's a really tough blow that I think, um, obviously, you know, we talked about it a lot going into the season, but... We thought that, you know, Wake still had a lot of talent at wideout, and they do. Um, and then, you know, you add on you add on top of that injuries to the offensive line. A couple guys there have gone down um, for the year. You know, Spencer Clapp has never been quite right. Nick Sharp goes down. Um, so Wake was behind the eight ball already. And then you add in just the sort of the brutal slate um, of games that they had to play this year and some really tough road contests that they've had to play. So it was go- always going to be a really – hard year for Wake Forest to succeed. And I I have some more thoughts on this to share a little bit later on in the episode, but I just think that Dave Clawson was clearly not prepared for how total and complete the breakdowns would be on offense in just about every facet. I don't think there is anything right now that this Wake Forest team does particularly well on that side of the ball. I don't think there is one uniform strength really that you can point to something that they've done well consistency consistently all season they are second to last in the ACC in scoring. Um, I made a prediction a while back that they wouldn't score 30 points the remainder of the year. Um, they've struggled to hit 20 in a lot of games. Um, so, you know, this one, they didn't even hit 10. So, you know, the breakdowns are right now. There's still some football left to be played, but they are total and complete and um, across the board. And I think the um, there are some a lot of questions to be asked of this offense and what the solutions are. And I'm not sure that they have simple answers. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm going to apologize ahead of time because this is, this is going to be an episode that is laden in, in Dave Clawson quotes, but just so many um, not only after the game, but in his, his pre Notre Dame press conference. So talking about the offense specifically. So this is where the, the press conference got really interesting is, is before he he gets into this answer that I'm about to, to paraphrase, Dave Clawson chokes up. He he pauses, and I and I had this written in the story because I thought it it was important to de- describe it as much as I I could remember from the moment. But he pauses, looks to his right, and at my mic my microphone picked up him tapping twice on the on the lectern in front of him, and he you can just see the tears in his eyes, and I thought it was really poignant. And then he says, I take these losses hard. I'm responsible for it. There's no fingers. I've done a bad job this year. And then he says that he took some things in our program for granted. They had a good run for seven years. And Dave Clawson, quote, thought some of those things would carry over on offense and within the program. Really interesting that you brought up the offense, Ben, because some of the the losses, maybe, as Dave said, taking it for granted some of the the offensive success in schematics and at the quarterback and and, and all across the board but it, it just the words taking some things in our program for granted really struck at me when it comes to to Dave Clawson to Wake Forest to the offense 
And I think that is a huge indicator of a lot of the things that have gone wrong this year as a team. I mean, Wake Forest defense is having one of the best years in in recent memory. Uh, he Dave Clawson actually said in in the post or the pre Notre Dame press conference that he was worried about the defensive line, and he wasn't as worried about the offense. And it's been a flip flop that the defensive line has outperformed his expectations by a large amount that they've been really good. The defense has been really good. And it's been the offense that has been the, the bane of wake Forest season this year. And so just adding that all together and taking the program for granted, talking about the past, the seven years too, and having that expectation that, that some things would carry over and they haven't just seeing almost, you know, a Dave Clawson that doesn't necessarily open up in that way that he did after the NC state loss. You don't really see him like that too often. He's very good at media, very, very presents himself very well, knows what he's talking about, kind of what he's doing at all times. Opening up truly like that was really interesting to see. Yeah. um, You know, when you hear a coach using terms like soul searching and, you know, things of that gravity, and like you said, just being so openly emotional, first of all, you know, credit to Dave Clawson, I respect his candor a lot. I'm going to get into this a little bit later. I respect him accepting it and taking it on the chin um, the way that, you know, and taking that sort of accountability that the Wake Forest fans deserve. Um, I have a lot, I have a lot of respect for him saying, I really don't know what's going on right now. I'm reeling from this as much as you guys are. Um, That sort of thing is the really all that he can do right now is step up to the, to the podium, address the media and sort of just, um, you know, take his medicine in that way. But yeah, this is, this is a more emotional and a more despondent Dave Clawson than I have seen in my experience covering the team. I mean, after, after last year's losses, he would come into the press room and he would be able to point to specific things. You know, this is where Wake Forest lost a lot of close games this year. Boom, this play, these two plays go different. We win that game. We don't commit this penalty. We don't commit this turnover. Um, The outcomes are different this year. That is really not the case. I don't think this team really has an identity. And I don't, I don't think there's, I don't think there have been in a lot of games, a single moment that you can point to to where things turn just because there are so many, you know, I've said it throughout the episode, so many breakdowns. Um, and yeah, that, that quote that you mentioned, you know, I took some things in our program for granted. That to me is, was something that I did not expect to hear Dave Clawson say. Um, it really surprised me. And I'm, I, I won't get into the full thing right now. Cause like I said, I don't want to talk about all this a little bit more later, but it was um, some really, you know, surprising candor and honesty, refreshing in a lot of ways um, to know that the guy at the, t- at the very top is taking this as hard as, everyone else's but even so you know fans are asking the questions what is going on why did this team regress so much and you know take such a step back not even from just from last year but from the beginning of the season when they were playing some good football on offense what happened what went wrong yeah i before we just move on ben i i'm a hundred percent with you on the fact that dave clausen he deserves respect and and should be praised for what he said after NC state. Like that is he stepped up. He, he didn't stick, you know, he didn't stick fingers at people start, you know, 
blaming everybody else, he he stuck thumbs back at himself. He really, as as the head of the program, as the CEO of Wake Forest football, pointed back at himself and his honesty, especially just in the the context of this season, was needed. And I think he did a really good job. So I I respected Dave in that moment. I I as a journalist, I really appreciated him pulling back that curtain a little bit when pulling back that curtain maybe wasn't easy, but in my mind was necessary just because of of the way this season has turned out so far for Wake Forest. So full props to Dave. And trust me, there's more quotes that are coming. But we talked about it earlier. After the third series, uh, three, three and outs to start and then two more after, the starting quarterback for the majority of the season gets benched. Mitch Griffiths takes a seat. In comes Michael Kern. One of my questions after the game was, because it had looked like on that on the first drive that Mitch had gotten a little hobbled. He he had ran on, I believe, the very first play of the game and got hit, and he looked a little hobbled after the play. And so I asked Dave if Mitch was pulled because of the injury. And his first the first word he says is, nope. He said, we took two sacks. The sacks aren't always on the quarterback, but we have to get rid of the football. And, and here's the interesting part of the quote, Ben. He said, one play, he, he being Mitch, was just supposed to hand the ball off. And for whatever reason, he didn't. And then he got sacked inside the five-yard line. He seemed off. So that just is is mind-blowing at a start that, you know, part of me just thought Mitch was pulled because because Dave Clawson wanted to to inject some juice into the offense. But the fact that it was a handoff play that that wasn't executed and, and resulted in a sack inside the five-yard line leading to the pole is really, really interesting to me. And then later, Dave talking about, you know, having to figure out where the team is at quarterback moving forward, gave Mitch a lot of games. He said, if Michael Kern's healthy, we got to look at him and see where we are at the position moving forward and that they have to evaluate it. And what do you know? Yesterday in Wake Forest, pre-Notre Dame press conference announces the the starting quarterback for the rest of the year, according to Dave Clawson, Michael Kern. Michael Kern will be the starting quarterback for the Deeks. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, here's what he said. So he said, Michael Kern will be the starter going forward unless he gets injured. And then Dave says, we probably would have made that move a little bit earlier if he hadn't gotten hurt. When we put him in at Virginia Tech, that was kind of the plan. But unfortunately, he hurt his shoulder. To me, Ben, that was the part that's been mind-blowing. Just because there's been so much discussion, almost too much discussion, about the the quarterback position for Wake Forest this season. Especially when things started to take a turn and Mitch Griffiths wasn't really performing to what people expected him to. And, and then them tur- Wake Forest turning to, to Michael Kern at Virginia Tech and that injury just kind of wondering, I think at that point, we, both of us had started discussing, I believe on the pod that though we at the time didn't agree with the move to bench Mitch Griffiths against Virginia tech, that now that kind of meant that you needed to start Michael Kern moving forward and the injury prohibited wake Forest from doing that. But there's been those discussions about the quarterback over and over again, who should start? Should it be Mitch? Should it be Michael Kern? Should it be Santino Marucci? And, and the fact that, that Dave admits back that perhaps Michael Kern would have been starting starting far earlier than getting his first start against Notre Dame had he not been injured against Virginia Tech that to me was one of the biggest things I took away from that that pre-Notre Dame press conference is the fact that uh 
Michael Kern may have been Wake Forest starting quarterback and Mitch Griffiths may have been not Wake Forest starting quarterback way earlier if some things had not gone the way they had in terms of injuries. Really, really interesting. Again, pulling back the curtain kind of stuff. Yeah, I yeah, I, I there, definitely when I was reading the transcript of that, you know, press conference, that one jumped out at me, too, because I remember discuss, we discussed for a long time on that episode of the pod, you know, what's the status of those two quarterbacks injury wise? If everyone's healthy, who do they go with? Um, rarely, especially, you know, in in college football, it's just rare to get that kind of clarity from a head coach saying this is what I was going to do if all of the guys were healthy. I was going to play Michael Kern if that were the the option. So it doesn't totally surprise me that that was the answer. I think even in that Virginia Tech game when Mitch Griffiths sort of initially got benched, I thought Michael Kern came in and did a better job in, you know, in the passing game um, and just was a little bit more consistent, looked a little bit more comfortable in the pocket. And then, yeah, unfortunately sustained that injury and garbage time when the game was already well out of hand. Um, and then I guess, you know, still bothering him the next couple of weeks, um, I thought Michael Kern did some good things, you know, on, on Saturday. He obviously had that bad interception late in the game. I still thought he did some good things. I'm intrigued, you know, I'm intrigued to see what he will do on, you know, in a very tough start to make against Notre Dame. Um, but yeah, for now, just on Dave Clawson's part, again, just like you said, pulling back the curtain, some, some, I would go so far as to call it shocking candor. Um, that's usually not the MO for, you know, Dave Clawson is he he likes to play things close to the vest. That's not a knock on him. That's just, you know, I think it's more of a strategy thing than anything. But I think just he's I think Dave Clawson is immensely frustrated, not only at the losses. He even said he said, I don't mind losing a game. I don't want us to lose our way in our culture. I think that is what he's worried about right now more than anything, more than the losses. I think he knew it was going to be a reset year of sorts. But um, the fact that, you know, Mitch Griffiths came in and and it really surprises me also that the you know the miscommunication or whatever you want to call it where Mitch Griffiths just didn't run the right play that is not something that I would have anticipated Mitch Griffiths to do I know his decision making on the play calls hasn't always been good but you know to to go against an agreed upon play call and then take a sack is you know I certainly something I think he probably deserved to be benched for if that's really what happened um but yeah just a, a really surprising turn of events there and I think something that sort of you know provides a glimpse into the struggles going on at a deeper level inside the program right now and some of the pro some of the problems they're having showing up with energy even on senior day to come out that flat is just something that a Dave Clawson led football team normally does not do and something a Wake Forest football team does not do even when they struggle they usually take a lot of pride in how they play it didn't seem like uh, you know they they didn't do a lot of things well on Saturday. They didn't play with a ton of energy or, or anything like that. So it's just all very out of sorts right now. Yeah. So on the point of that, that handoff for Mitch Griffiths, there, there's no indication. I don't know. And, and Dave didn't really clarify whether that was something that Mitch Griffiths made a, a decision not to hand that ball off, or if it was just something got messed up in action that somehow that ball yeah, just didn't a, get it. If that point. was, if that was something he actually had made a decision, no, I'm not going to hand the ball off to me. I, I highly doubt that's the case. I think probably something got screwed up in translation on that play. Uh, but regardless, it, it's interesting. I didn't even notice, which is the surprising thing that it almost in some ways, I mean, 
obviously didn't go off without a hitch because he took a sack, but in, in the context of the play went off kind of without a hitch and, and Mitch goes down. But um, yeah, just as you said, it's the struggles. Um, I, as you said, kind of shockingly honest from Dave. I, I think that's really intriguing to me. Just all of this is after 10 games and, and after 10 games in, in Dave Clawson's 10th season, just to have that kind of, sit down moment where it's a truly we've we've got a problem here folks and and laying out those problems was not something i i expected to go into that press room and see uh it was refreshing it was enlightening because even though we've been kind of talking about these things we weren't able to to verbalize them in the same way a head coach can like dave did and and the fact that he did as a head coach talk about those things as i said pull back the curtain surprisingly honest uh and so ben i know you've had some thoughts about this that you you wanted to talk about so i'll i'll hand the floor over to you yeah um so i after you know watching that game and listening and reading what dave clausen had to say i just i had some some thoughts that i that i wanted to sort of verbalize on the pod today because i think they're i think they're important for you know the, the the fan base and, you know, our audience here to, to really understand. So during that press conference, there were a couple quotes from Dave Clawson that alarmed me um, and that sort of really cast a light onto how severe the breakdowns um, between last year and this year have really been, um, you know, when Dave Clawson says, I should have had us in a better spot with some of the personnel losses we had, we're not getting the most out of these guys. I think we have good players but they're not playing well. And that all boils down to coaching again, more of that shocking honesty that we're talking about. Um, I think that's a rare and refreshing thing for a head coach uh, to make that admission in a, in a public platform like that. And to know that he's going to get a lot of criticism for what has gone down this season. Um, and yeah, I, I want to take a moment again to say I have a lot of respect for Dave Clawson you know, as a man, as a coach, I think he's great at what he does generally. It is no easy task to coach Wake Forest with the limitations they face in recruiting in the ACC, in, you know, academics in the transfer portal, a whole lot of other things. It's a hard job that I think Dave Clausen is overwell done outstanding at. Um, this year, I think Dave Clausen would be the first to tell you that is not the case. Um, hearing Dave Clausen say something like, I just took some things in our program for granted. Um, we've had a good run for seven years. Um, to me, it sounds like, I don't know if this was the intention. It sounds like Dave Clawson maybe got a little complacent, um, at times and the team is, and the program are bearing the consequences of some of that, you know, it was always going to be a team that looked different this year. Dave Clawson knew that he said, I don't think this is going to be team going to be a team that goes out and scores, you know, 40 points a game. He, he knew change was coming, but to hear him say, you know, I took things for granted. I think that is a, um, that's an admission that Dave, that this has not been one of Dave Clawson's better years as a head coach. And, you know, he said, my job is to figure out a way in 2023 to put out a competitive football team. I would say for the most part in 2023, I haven't done a very good job of it. Um, Wake isn't competing against the teams they normally compete against. They're getting beaten rivalry games. There's a very real chance that they go four and eight after starting three and oh, um, and barely squeaking out that pit game. So that is, you know, 
a step backwards for the program, not something the program wants to see. He also said on every offensive position, we have taken a step back competitively. It's been a struggle. I didn't see this coming. Um, so when, when the problem is when Dave Clawson is as blindsided by this as, you know, some of the fans are and the team is that, that means you're headed for a breakdown. If the coach is coming out and saying these things after 10 games. Um, so to me, that, that indicates a problem. Um, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to get into the point of my, my little rant here. Um, I don't think Wake Forest fans should be alarmed that there was a letdown to, to some extent and a reset this year. I think common sense told you that would, that would happen given all the personnel losses, you lose Sam Hartman, Donovan Green goes down injuries on the offensive line. You lose Blake Whitehart. You lose a bunch of other guys all across the board. Um, it was always going to be a hard year to succeed, but you know, Typically, Dave Clawson's programs have risen to the occasion a little bit and responded in those years of adversities. And Dave Clawson said it. He said, for seven years, we've replaced guys and replaced guys and replaced guys. This year, that didn't happen. Um, I'm going to list some statistics here, not to sort of rag on the team, but because I think they're important to understand the scope of the offensive breakdowns this year. So on offense, Wake Forest is bottom five in the ACC in nearly every single st statistical offensive category. Points per game, total yards per game, passing yards per game, rushing yards per game, offensive efficiency, time of possession, third down conversions, and fourth down conversions. And that is all while being the least penalized team in the conference. So they're not making as many you know penalty mistakes as other teams. There is just almost zero offensive execution. And by the way, they've allowed 43 sacks. That is good for not only, you know, very low in the ACC, but also 128th in the NCAA through 10 games. They're giving up 4.3 sacks per game through 10 games. They've also lost 10 fumbles. It's tied for 119th in the NCAA. They've thrown 10 interceptions, tied for 91st in the NCAA. I say all this to arrive at the point that I don't think Wake Forest fans should be alarmed by the presence of a reset year. I think if there is cause for alarm, and I'm not sure there is long-term, and there's still two games left, and some answers could be found in this two-week span, I think that the cause for concern is the scope and the magnitude of these breakdowns and how not only is Wake Forest losing, last year when they lost, they competed, they scored points, they had an identity still, they were a hard team to prepare for. This year, there just isn't that. I just don't think... There are a ton of things that this team is doing well right now. I think Dave Clawson would be the first one to admit that. Um, it's just been, you know, a, a bigger step backwards and a year of regression, I think. And I agree. I don't, that when Dave Clawson makes the point that he's not getting the best out of his players, I would tend to agree with that. I, I just don't think the receivers are producing as much as they normally do. I don't think, you know, the running backs have had the opportunity, opportunity to produce you know, as much as they've been able to in the past. So, you know, I just, that was obviously a very long winded way of saying that, you know, a step, you know, having, having an off year happens to everybody, but having this off, you know, this caliber of an off year is tough to look at. And especially considering some of the remarks that Dave Clawson has made. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself, Ben. Um, Lots of statistics there that, heck, I didn't even know. Uh, certainly some alarming ones, some concerning ones in regards to the Wake Forest offense. Two thoughts before we move on uh, from my end is is the first, 
is I think most who thought about this team, the 2023 Wake Forest football team before this season expected a regression of sorts on offense. I, you know, I expected one. Did I, did I think Mitch Griffiths was going to be a serviceable quarterback? Yeah, I did. Uh, I didn't think he was going to be Sam Hartman, but I thought Mitch Griffiths would, would work. I thought he'd work out. Um, And I thought the offense would be fine. I thought they would not score as much, but I thought they would be fine. Did I expect this level of regression? Absolutely not. And I don't think anyone really could have. I think you could have expected a reasonable regression that Wake Forest would just simply not be as good as on offense. But the statistics that you've listed and the things that obviously everyone's seen with their own eyes, regardless of if you're in a press box in the stands or watching on the television, is that this offense is regressed tragically and to a large extent. They have become one of the least functioning offenses in all of college football. And so that is a tough thing to reconcile. And I'm sure it's tough to reconcile for Dave Clawson, for Warren Ruggiero, the offensive coordinator, for everyone in that room. And so, you know, I think that's, I think those statistics really help drive that in Ben. And and I think that's going to, for our listeners, really going to help drive it into and, and put a face and some numbers to, to everything that they've seen on, on the television or in person. My second thought is something that I think we're going to get into a lot more after the season, after Wake Forest finishes the game against Syracuse and, and whether they have a, a 13th game to play this season, whether Wake Forest qualifies for a bowl as a six and six team or, or sneaks into one as a five and seven um, is how do things get better and do they get better? That is going to be a huge question because I think the questions are kind of gone for Wake Forest in 2023. Like those questions have kind of been answered that it's not getting it done and Dave Clawson answered a lot of those questions after NC State. The questions are now going to start coming up for Wake Forest in 2024. And that is, okay, if everything has been so bad this year on the offensive side of the ball, let me add that caveat, that things have been so bad on the offensive side of the ball this year for Wake Forest, how do they get better next year? What changes? How does things? How do you go from this to making it all work next year and getting back to competitive football that Dave Clawson has been so well known for and should be so well known for. So for me, that's going to be something that's really intriguing uh, as we go into the off season. And, and one more th- you know, thought on this, Ben, something I have on our, our sheet for the day, the future of the position at quarterback, we were talking about the quarterback pos- position. And so in Dave Clawson's Wednesday or Tuesday press conference, rather, he talked about being aggressive in the transfer portal, which is something we haven't really seen right now. In in a well asked question about the future of the quarterback uh, position, Clawson replied that that Wake Forest certainly could look in the transfer portal for one. They are quote open to anything and everything. They have to be more aggressive. He said this is this is a great quote, Ben. Quote, quite frankly, you have to be willing to buy players. That's part of it. And he said that maybe that's a a risk worth taking, you know, risking how it'll affect the locker room, which he said it's a concern of his. He said, looking back, maybe that's a risk worth taking because it's better than not winning football games. Really interesting quote about that. So he said, you have to be strategic, 
But if it creates competition and raises the level of everyone, we have to be more open to taking those type of shots. So Dave, after having his opinions, certainly about the, the transfer portal comes out and says, you know, we probably, we're probably going to need to look at a quarterback in the transfer portal, just looking at the future of the position and the fact that, you know, mentioning the word by it, 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 not something I would have expected to hear in terms of Wake Forest, but that is the new reality of college football. But the acknowledgement, and not to belabor it, but all that's gone wrong with the quarterback position this year, that Wake Forest is going to go out and have to probably get one in 2024. Just a whole a litany of, of Dave Clawson quotes this week that have been so illuminating. And this is one of the ones as we start to look forward to the future that might be the most illuminating of them all an acknowledgement that wake force is going to have to go take a shot in the transfer portal and probably go get themselves a new quarterback. Yeah. I mean, not something we've heard Dave Clawson um, talk super publicly about a lot. And he, he talks very openly about the challenges that wake forest faces in the transfer portal. He, he mentioned that, you know, a lot of the times wake forest has to wait, you know, for that, grad transfer year to really be able to go after a lot of players just because it's so hard just because of you know the academic competitiveness level of wake forest that it's so hard for the credits to transfer over in the right way there was a quote that he said he said you know i, I don't feel right recruiting a guy if i'm not 100 sure i can get him eligible so and i understand that from dave clausen too you don't want to be dishonest in the recruiting process and try to bring a guy in when there's no guarantee that academically things are going to work out for him to play right away so i get it um I think, you know, I think that he's right, though. I think that in the offseason, Wake Forest is going to have to take a new approach sort of, you know, to the transfer portal. Um, Dave Clawson has always, for the most part, developed his quarterbacks the old-fashioned way, you know, let them develop in the program for a couple of years and then earn that starting job. Um, but, you know, it based on the level of quarterback play that we've seen this year, it it's possible that it's time for a change. I mean, it's possible that it's time to look at the options available and at least for the sake of competition, um, bring in somebody from the outside. So, Ben, you were talking about quarterbacks on the horizon, the quarterbacks of the future Wake for Wake Forest. Let's take a look back at the, you could say, the quarterback of the past for the Deeks. They're going to face one that they know quite well in Notre Dame's quarterback, someone we know pretty well, Sam Hartman. It's going to be a real blast of the past for us. I mean, my my years as, as a college student at Wake Forest were dominated by one number 10, Sam Hartman. And uh, now we're going to be seeing him in a, in a different jersey up in South Bend. So it's it's going to be a Sam Hartman showdown. Yeah, Dave Clawson has, you know, talked extensively about it. He talked about it, obviously, in the press for this week. It's a big topic of conversation. He said, you know, it's a... <laughs> It's going to be awkward before the game, but once that game starts, he's the quarterback on the other team. So, you know, it's going to be all business, you know, between the lines, but obviously a ton of love there between this program and Dave Clawson and Sam Hartman, but for sure going to be a, a bittersweet moment, especially because this is Notre Dame senior day. So seeing Sam Hartman go through senior day, you know, ceremonies for a different team is going to be a real trip, I think, for the Wake Forest community. And um, but, you know, Dave Clawson also made the point that 
going to play up in South Bend is uh, a great opportunity for, you know, for this program. It's a historic college football venue, very historic program in Notre Dame and a very high level team this year. They have a great defense, very sound, you know, um, great halfback. Sam Hartman's been solid all year. Um, it's going to be a very, very tough game for Wake Forest to win, I think. But, you know, all the same, one that's been circled on the calendar for Wake Forest all year. Yeah, I think there's going to be a good deal of uh, hunger from the defense, if I recall correctly, after the the NC State game. Someone had asked, um, I believe it, it was it was Dylan Hazen, about his desire to to get at Sam Hartman a little bit. And he was, he was excited. He was like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready to go, uh, go, go see a guy that they weren't really ever allowed to hit in practice. Now you have a shot to hit him. <laughs> You're going to, the expectation and the hope is from a Wake Forest perspective is that you lay a few hits on uh Sam Hartman. So certainly going to be, it, it adds a little bit of spice to this game, no doubt. And as we look ahead to it, expectations for for the Notre Dame game overall after a, a very very tough week for Wake Forest a, a week where they they I'm sure in practice had to try and find themselves uh, I know Dave Clawson talked about playing some of the younger guys that some a lot of the younger guys especially where now the red shirt concern isn't a factor like the guys who sat for the beginning of the season are now going to be playing games and be able to retain that red shirt that he was running some younger guys in, in practices and, and that they might get some some play, some runway against Notre Dame. But the expectations, especially from a Vegas perspective, is that Wake Forest is, does not have much of a shot in this football game. The The number opened up at, at, at Notre Dame minus 22, and immediately the money started flowing in on the Irish, and the number just kept going further and further away from Wake Forest. So... Vegas, not bullish on the Deeks. I'd say the general public, the betting public, not exactly excited about what Wake Forest has to bring to South Bend either. Uh, but, I mean, there's a shot. There's a shot there. There there always is a shot. It's football. Uh, but this game will le- mean a little bit something extra to Wake Forest. It'll mean a little something extra to Sam Hartman. And at the very least, that gives yourself a storyline for the football game. There's something going in. Yeah, I mean, Dave Clawson mentioned it this week. He said the goal is to go up to South Bend and make a magical moment for this program, which winning in South Bend would truly be magical given the trajectory of the season to this point. You know, the it felt a lot like after the NC State game that this season was just over and done with. But in reality, you know, there's there's two more games. There's 120 minutes of football left to be played, two weeks of practice and opportunities to figure things out and whether or not those result in victories is TBD, but there is still time in this season to at least, you know, have things finish out on a more positive note. And there, the possibility does exist that Wake Forest wins their final two games and becomes bowl eligible. I think it would take an outstanding, you know, turning of the tide for Wake Forest to go and be able to do that. But my challenge for the Wake Forest team this week is really nothing daunting. It's just to go have some fun playing football in a really cool stadium. Because if you watch this team this year, it's unfortunate. It looks like none of them are having any fun out there. It looks like the offense is, you know, playing just like with the weight of the world on their shoulders. Like they're, they're, you know, cognizant of how effective they should be and how effective they are being in the disparity there. And it, it looks like just the, you know, the pressure and the expectations are, are, you know, 
weighing on them, weighing on Dave Claus and weighing on this program. So, you know, obviously you mentioned Wake's kind of playing with house money this weekend. So why not just go have a little fun in the process, you know, try, try some new stuff, compete, um, give the fans something fun to watch, you know, in a, in a game that Wake Forest fans have been looking forward to all year, the opportunity to put that, you know, is a weird one, but very few teams get it to, you know, play against a player in Sam Hartman that was, you know, the face of Wake Forest for so many years and so long and to, to get the chance to be on the other side of those, a, a truly unique one that I hope Dave Claus and this team take advantage of. Yeah. You said it, Ben, that this game has been, been circled on the, the calendar ever since Sam Hartman announced that he was going to Notre Dame almost a, a full year ago. Uh, so certainly an exciting game. It would take a Herculean effort. I think for Wake Forest to to notch a win, but wow, would it be crazy if they did and even crazier, you know, in the next two games, if bowl eligibility is still on the table, that that Wake Forest were, were able to do something crazy in the context of this season. But anyways, all that set aside, we talked about expectations. Now let's talk about numbers. Ben, let's get into predictions for this football game. Wake Forest at Notre Dame at South Bend on NBC I'll let you kick it off with with how you think this one is going to go. Yeah, um, you know, given where this team is right now, I'm I'm more siding with Vegas on this one. I think Vegas has the right idea. Um, I don't know whether I would take that 25 point line. I think probably close to it, or maybe yes. You know, some somewhere in that range. I don't really think this will be a close game. Um, I think. Wake Forest is really going to struggle against a very, very good Notre Dame defense, going to struggle to get yards and put up points. Um, my prediction is 35-10 Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm, I'm about with you. Uh, that Vegas number is aggressive. It's definitely what I thought about early on. I was like, wow, that is a big number. And then I thought about it some more. And I was like, okay, maybe that might be a little realistic. Um Notre Dame's defense, as you said, they are, they're legit. They are rocking. And Dave Clawson said it too, gave them a whole lot of props. They are a very good defense. They're probably going to be the best defense that Wake Forest has seen to date. And they're going to be the best defense that Wake Forest has played all season. Not promising considering the, the state of the offense. And then you've got, if Sam Hartman's at his best, you've got one of the better quarterbacks in the NCAA. Uh, He's had his struggles recently. But Sam Hartman is always can at the the blink of an eye come out of things and, and put together a stellar performance. We've seen our fair share. So a good quarterback and then an electric running back in Audric Estime. And Wake Forest has had its had its issues against the run. As I said earlier in the pod, NC State ran wild against Wake Forest on Saturday. And between a, a quarterback like Sam, who has some running ability, and Audric Esme, who sure as hell can run the ball, uh, that that's a concern as well. So with all that being said, you would love to say that Wake Forest could go off and pull something special in South Bend. And if they do, I will very confidently raise my hand and say I was wrong. But uh, I don't feel confident saying that that's going to happen. I don't foresee that happening and I don't think Wake Forest is going to score points. So my my final score prediction is Vegas, tip of the cap to you, 38-7. Yeah, so not not looking promising for Wake Forest um, from the boots on the ground crew, but hey, we've been wrong before. 
We have and been. We'll, we'll likely be wrong again, you know, at some point in the future, maybe this week. <laughs> yeah, we, we've certainly been wrong before. <laughs> I like that, Ben. We, we've been wrong before. Sure, sure, we will certainly be wrong again. That'll be all for us on the Boots on the Ground pod today. Uh, a lot coming up for, for Wake Forest. Basketball, you guys will be hearing this tomorrow morning. And by tomorrow morning, I say Thursday morning, it'll be game day. Wake Forest basketball game day against Utah in Charleston. I'll be making the trip down to go watch the Deeks play some basketball. Uh, and then Wake Forest football up in South Bend. Boots on the Ground will also be away for for a little bit. We'll be away for about 10 days. Ben and I will be on different continents for the for the holiday season. So you'll get a little bit of a break from having to hear us two talk for a while. And then we'll be back to to recap everything that went down in Charleston and in South Bend and in Syracuse for football. All that being said, thank you so much for joining us on this lovely Wednesday evening on the Boots on the Ground pod. Ben Conroy, Essex Thayer. See you guys soon. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.